grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. The voice of the Holy One thunders over the waters, is humming in Jesus, and is whispered by the Spirit. Let us pray that we might hear God's voice. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, and prepare our hearts to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form, it was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so it appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. On the sixth day, God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. And that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. God saw how good it was. Then God said, let us make humanity in our own image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on this earth. God created humanity in God's own image in the divine image God created them, male and female created them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the spirit like a dove 
coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven. You are my son whom I dearly love. In you, I find happiness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, come sit beside me in Dr. Susie Park's Introduction to Biblical Hebrew class. There's plenty of room at this long table in the lecture hall. Up there, at the front of the classroom, that's Dr. Park, all of five foot one, pacing back and forth on the dais, rolling up the sleeves of her sweater and rolling them back down again. She's at the chalkboard now, writing out words that look like squiggles, but trust me, they're Hebrew. And now she's turning to look at us over her shoulder, eyes wide behind her glasses, a note of caution in her voice. Don't freak out. Over the course of a whole semester, again and again, don't freak out. There are plenty of times when you will feel overwhelmed or confused and want to come unglued, but freaking out isn't helpful. When life swerves off the road, however, fear and worry are close at hand. That's how I felt last Sunday when my husband Gerald was admitted to the hospital with chest pains and I couldn't be with him. That's how many Americans felt on Wednesday as they watched video footage of a mob storming the U.S. Capitol building intent on halting Congress's work. Dr. Park, wouldn't you say that this week we're allowed to freak out? But she'll point you to another gathering on Wednesday, a circle of Christians in prayer outside of Luther Place Memorial Church in Washington, D.C. They had begun praying at nine o'clock in the morning, a part of a 24-hour prayer vigil held by people of faith across the district. They knew it was going to be a difficult day. In December, when the Proud Boys and conspiracy theorists last descended on DC, they had intimidated, even attacked passersby and torn down signs on churches proclaiming Black Lives Matter. Now, on January 6th, with four simultaneous rallies opposed to the election results planned, the folks outside Luther Place were lifting up prayers for the safety of the city, for justice, and for reconciliation. Lutheran Bishop Leila Ortiz was there, 
and she saw the group of men barge into the prayer circle. These men were on their way to a rally, but they paused in their itinerary to mock Christians in prayer. One of them lay on the ground as another man pretended to kneel on his neck, a gross reenactment of the murder of George Floyd, while another member of their party spouted racial slurs. Bishop Ortiz shared later, as I stood there, witnessing evil manifest before my eyes, I have to admit, I was paralyzed. She felt terror strike her heart, but she did not move. The circle held strong in the face of blatant disregard for another human life, an act of contempt for God's good creation. They were shaken, those in the prayer circle, shaken, but not subdued because of the one to whom they prayed. God, the creator and redeemer, revealed in Jesus of Nazareth, made known by the power of the Holy Spirit. Susie Park taught me that God alone creates. When we practice translating the first verse in the first book of sacred scripture, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, she underscored that no one except God uses that verb, bara, to create. Human beings, well, we craft, construct, shape, form, and make, but God alone creates. And that makes all the difference. The power to call forth the cosmos, light and darkness, sea and land, everything that has breath, belongs to God and not to us. No one gets to say that some people are less made in the image of God because the creator has already spoken. No one gets to legislate away another human being's inherent worth because all that God created, God declared good. God alone creates and keeps creating. Genesis is just the beginning. God creates Israel, a people chosen to bless the whole world. God promises to create a new heaven and a new earth. And when Jesus comes out of the water, baptized by John, God creates again. On that day, when people from all over Judea watched on the banks of the Jordan River, God tore open the sky. The creator does that time and again, disrupting what we think of as the natural order. Down from heaven soared the Holy Spirit, graceful as a dove, anointing the one 
who is Emmanuel, God with us. And just as God spoke creation into existence, God spoke again, you are my son, my beloved child. In you, I find happiness. I take delight in you. For over a thousand years, just before they were dunked into a pool or sprinkled with water from a bowl, Christians have confessed these words from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. They speak those words and then a mystery unfolds because in the dunking and the sprinkling, those disciples were made one with Christ. Christ, their Savior and Lord, in the waters of baptism became Christ, their brother. As Paul wrote to the church in Rome, God decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of the Son. That way, Christ would be the first of many brothers and sisters. God alone creates, and in baptism, God creates again, conforming us to the image of the Son, making our lives look like Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the waters which cover creation now make us a new creation. Joined to Christ in the waters of baptism, we know what those disciples praying outside Luther Place Memorial Church felt to be true. We are God's beloved children, meant to walk in Jesus' ways to the glory of God. That is who we are. That is our identity. And anyone who tries to convince us that race or nationality or political party or loyalty to one leader or another is more important than the identity we have in Christ, well, that person has been tricked by the father of lies, the serpent who misled our first parents in the Garden of Eden and who plagues us still. Keep reading Mark's gospel and you'll meet that liar. Before the baptismal river water can dry, Jesus comes face to face with the tempter. Turn bread into stone, Satan says. Toss yourself from a rooftop and make the angels catch you. Bow before me and rule over the kingdoms of the world. Jesus' refusal to each of these tests shows us the life God means for us. Lives that acknowledge God as the sovereign creator. Hearts that worship God alone and hands that heal sorrow in anticipation of the coming kingdom. None of us here 
needs a play-by-play of how Wednesday's events contrast to the way of Jesus. That bad news weighs us down like a belly full of stone. No, what I need, what the church needs, is to claim once more the promises God makes to us in baptism. Those promises aren't flowery words. They are the very foundation of creation and our purpose here on earth. So sisters and brothers of Christ, children of the creator, hear these words. In Christ, you are a new creation. You, beloved child, are freed from sin and freed for acts of love. You are even relieved of the burden of being a quote-unquote good person because your identity is in Christ. Since God has justified us by grace through faith and not by works, as that old reformer Martin Luther insisted, God is the need to justify ourselves or the decisions of our great-grandparents. Because of God's mercy, we who are citizens of this complicated nation can thank God for what is beautiful and good and tell the truth about its ugly history and ask Jesus to lead us in the ways of justice and righteousness Thanks to the Spirit, who is constantly reshaping us in the image of Christ, we can even move past the disgust of witnessing two white men reenact the murder of a black man to experience, with Jesus, compassion. We are not separate from those two prodigal sons. The sin they revealed in that prayer circle is the trauma that our country as a whole has for centuries refused to treat. When one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Oh, but glory, glory, hallelujah, the creator is already washing the wound. The redeemer is already here to heal our hurting world. That's the view from 5,000 feet. Here's an example closer up. My beloved Yero is home now from the hospital, thanks be to God. He is re-examining his lifestyle, putting energy into food and activities that benefit his heart. My life is joined to his, so how could I not examine my own habits? And because I am freed from defending my own goodness, I don't have to make excuses 
for the pint of ice cream in one hand and the spoon in the other. Because Yerald and I are new creations in Christ, we trust that the unhealthy decisions we have made over the years and will make in years to come are not the end of the story. That we can even make new choices and form new habits. Because in truth, the beginning and end of our stories is God. God washing over us grace in the waters of baptism. Grace that begets gratitude for second chances. Grace that reveals our purpose to live lives that look like Jesus. Friends, in a minute, we'll reaffirm God's gift of baptism. I encourage you to have some water on hand so that you can trace on your forehead the sign of the cross, the sign of God's fierce and costly love for you. Stand on the promises of that love, renouncing all that would draw you away from what the creator has said and done in Jesus Christ. Claim the promise that is yours through heaven's grace made flesh on earth. Ah, and for that grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, source of our calling, spirit of power, savior of the world. Amen.